The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by Ag Expert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Welcome to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast, where we like to showcase startup and early stage companies, as well as visit with innovators in the agriculture and food industry. Today, we're here with Joe Dales, Diana Laternis, and our guest, Marty Seymour, Director of Industry and Stakeholder Relations at Farm Credit. Thanks for joining us again, Marty. Uh, can you just give us a little uh, two-minute introduction uh, for people who didn't get to see the last podcast? Yeah, you bet. Um, I like to always say that I have the most interesting job in Canadian agriculture. And what this industry relations mean as far as an FCC person is, uh, I'm, I'm part of FCC's, I say, informal outreach to the industry on, on issues from uh, cows to canola to food processing to ag tech. But prior to that, I actually had 10 years of business development in the pharmaceutical industry. And so I'm actually excited about our conversation today about you know, how are we gonna grow our businesses in the time of COVID and what are some best practices? And so I've spent 20 years in the agriculture industry and I've seen highs and lows of, of many kinds, but this COVID environment is super interesting to me. So I'm actually looking forward to today's chat. Yeah, I think today we're gonna talk about something that's impacted everybody's business, which is COVID. You know, we've gone a year without being able to see people. Um, we've, we've been working from home, which is doubly impactful on farmers because, you know, they're, they're, they're out there on their own farms, usually in rural communities, and, and they have to force collisions, go into town, do things. And that's all been, um, you know, really discouraged this year. So, so it's impacting on our, our businesses. It's impacting on our mental health. I think we want to chat a little bit about what, what you guys have been doing, what's working for others, you know, what tips can we give people on, you know, how can they gather the information, gather the camaraderie camaraderie and, and companionship that, you know, we typically did at, at virtual or at real events um, doing virtually. So, so Marty, any tips on, you know, how can we, kind of get out of this, this, this funk, um, have some fun, meet some people, you know, do some things that, uh, that, you know, we're getting sick of, uh, you know, being at home by ourselves. Yeah. If I think through that lens in terms of my farming family and, and friends on this one is, is what COVID did or what I saw it happen was a, just this accelerated engagement of using platforms like this, like whether it's Zoom or Teams or Pickett. Thing. And so all of a sudden, a bunch of us figuring out that oh, we could actually schedule a beer next Friday at four with our friends or family and connect that way. We saw that happen through Christmas, you know, markets like yours in Ontario, where you're, you're asked to stay home alone as people finding these creative ways to use the, the digital technology. I think, I think that's an important one. Um, I've seen other people use social media as their outlet. Um, I can't say that all that's been outstandingly positive, though. You know, it's, if you look at so sort of how Twitter's evolved in the last year just feels a little bit more curt and sharp. And so for me, kind of picking my platform a little bit based on, on my mood of the day. But I don't, I don't know if I felt totally isolated um, or alone because all of a sudden people around me have embraced the technology too. So it's, it's kind of set the stage for this. But I haven't met anyone in the last three to four months as we got into this coldness of winter that isn't excited to get to town or bite to eat uh, a conference or an event where they can just have these organic collisions with people because um, we are missing that. That's not an agriculture only thing. That is people in general are, are looking forward to those. 
What are you thinking, Di? Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I love these podcasts because we get to talk to people each week. And then just, you know, just the different um, meetings that we have and connecting with people the virtually. The one thing um, that's kind of cool is we had a brainstorm session and normally we would all be around the table and you'd only see the people on the other side. But in this brainstorm session, we were able to see everybody. So there are some advantages to actually, you know, the virtual uh, environment. But um, yeah, I'm missing that face-to-face, you know, go to a conference, go to a trade show type of thing as well. But, um, you know, Joe, one of the past podcasts, you talked about being in three places at the same time. Um, You know, you can be in Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic all in the same day talking to different people. So um, yeah, it's kind of like the pros and cons, but uh, yeah, you don't get the face-to-face and I kind of missed that. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, COVID's not letting up for the foreseeable future. So maybe, maybe one of the suggestions that we do and and just listening to Marty, you know, maybe it's, we encourage everyone to reach out to one other person. If we do that, there's a lot of collisions. It can, we can go old tech, pick up the phone and call one of your friends that you haven't heard from, from six or nine months that, that, you know, how are you? What's going on? um at least send an email or or say hey you know can we get together on the phone and maybe the other suggestion i have is um uh force yourself to use a tool that you're not comfortable with um you know and everything everything works from the smartphone now so your your smartphone becomes quite a great enabler so you know, if you're not used to using Zoom or FaceTime or some of these tools that, uh, that you know, maybe you try it, um, force yourself out of your comfort zone, which will engage you with other folks. Um, and I think that's, you know, those are a couple suggestions I have. Marty, any, any thoughts or any opinions? Well, um, what, what have you seen? That I, works think, or- I think the real emerging issue is business development for small, medium, large companies is, is so, you know, what we started out talking about here was that as individuals, what role can we play? And I love your idea of just saying, hey, challenge a friend, reach out. I think that's good, good social health in our community. I wonder about this emerging thing about how do I grow my business? I'm, you know, I got a few sales in the can, or even I have an idea. It's like, holy moly, now I don't know the best practices or where to go. And, and um, so I have lots of thoughts on what I've seen at doesn't inspire me and I've come to realize there's there's some good good practices and you know Joe I think your comment about being exponentially more available the idea you could be at a BC in the morning in a meeting and and Saskatchewan in Ontario same day that's super cool to me but I have this spider sense that big ticket items um, complex uh, products require that belly-to-belly selling of, of the old school days. I go, go back to my pharmaceutical days where it was relationship-based selling. And so, so I'm seeing this evolution of how do we do business in the modern modern era? And, and you know, I'm interested in your thoughts too. If you look at uh, what's working and what's not, like, I don't know, Joe, what do you think? So I'm a, I'm a, you know, you know, I love going to farm shows and trade shows and, and visiting with people. Um, and what I find, what I like about that is maybe I don't need to be that organized, um, because I know I'm going to bump into Diana and, and, uh, and Marty, cause I know you're going to be at the FCC booth. So 
you know, we're in a situation where that's been taken away from us. So, you know, that would be ideal. And I'd, I love doing that. But it hasn't been, you know, all or nothing. Um, I've made more contacts, I've had more engagement this past year than any other year in my career, mostly because you know, I set, I set an objective for myself to use my time very productively and, and wisely. And so, you know, you're able to schedule, you know, half hour, hour long engagements. And because everybody else is mostly close to home, you know, they're happy to hear you. And so um, visited one of, one of my farmer friends uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in Saskatchewan. And, um, and he's been working, you know, he's been working and living on Zoom, he told me. Um, and he goes, yeah, I don't mind because it's so cold outside. And, and the boys had to ship, <laughs> ship some grain, but I, I had meetings, so I'm in the office nice and warm. And that told me that, you know, we are conducting business, even though uh, belly to belly, you know, typically works. And he's kind of one of those innovative farmers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, out him, but, you know, he's, he buys a lot of stuff you know, virtually, and he sells a lot of grain and things virtually, and with his phone. So, um, you know, he's adapted to this. So, you know, I, I'm encouraging people to, you know, use these other tools, push past that, because maybe it, they'll find productivity gains. And I really think when the dust all settles here, you know, it's expensive to put a person down a laneway um, to, to do business. And I know that's the traditional sense but you know you can do several zoom calls in a day for that same expense um and then just divide it by the number of calls maybe it's not totally effective but if the relationships are already established and all you need is a little bit of information flow and a bit of social you know we can accomplish the same things and i, I think those productivity gains will drop to the bottom line you know in the businesses so so yeah, great to have a beer with you face to face. You know, let's let's learn some of these tools that will give us, you know, the productivity gains and improve our bottom lines and still, you know, drive the results we're looking for. My you, thoughts. You know, you raise a you raise a good point. It's something I think about a lot. Is um, you have a, one of the most robust networks in the industry. I, my network has certainly grown exponentially over the last ten years. Like, I think that if I was to just think about it in terms of, sure, it's easy for Joe and Marty to say, I'm going to phone the relationship I had started three or five years ago. Um, I've been really fussed lately on how do I give good advice for an emerging person in the career? I'm 27 or I'm 35 and I haven't had the luxury of building those networks. You know, Diana, do you have some thoughts on, on how does that early stage person break that networking bubble? Well, there's, there's a lot of people that are actually, um, I want to say on this podcast, because you look at Kim McConnell, he's put even his phone number on there. Like the, there's people that you can reach out to and people like Joe and, you know, like yourself, Marty, that are all connected in the industry. Yeah. And so reach out, you know, because usually if you're not in that industry, you know, somebody who is, or, you know, somebody who can help. And I think that just being that connector for people um, there's a lot of people in the industry that are willing to help others. It's just reaching out and and seeing, you know, what they have to give. And um, also, you know, what what problem are are the entrepreneurs solving? 
for you. And that's, that's the other part of the equation is when they talk about um, their product or, you know, that kind of thing, um, you know, what are they, what problem are they solving? And so maybe those are conversations that you can have with people outside the industry or even, um, you know, in the same uh, type of industry you are and they have ideas. So I, I think the big thing here is just reach out to people reach out to people that are heavily connected. You see them on Twitter, you see them on social media. Um, well, tell, them, tell them about Abby Taylor, that story. Yeah, I mean, she just reached out to a farm. She wanted to learn more about regenerative ag and she just reached out to a farm that does regenerative ag and say, are you looking for somebody to you know, work on the farm? Because I, I'm interested in learning about that type of, you know, type of practice. And they said, absolutely, when can you be here? Um, so I think that that's, you know, our, our industry is very connected and it's, it's super cool to see. And so, um, I think the big thing is just taking that step, you know, just, just reach out to somebody. And if they don't know, if they don't know the answer to your question or, or that kind of thing, they're usually, they know somebody who does. And that's what I've found in, in my travels, uh, on emerging partnerships, you know, reaching out to somebody yeah. and then they connect me with somebody else. Maybe to build off that, Diana, I was thinking about this in a practical sense about, um, let's just say I'm a mid-sized food processor and I'm bagging a snack food and it comes in a little package. Now I want to go out and sell the snack food. Well, sometimes in my, I'm missing the obvious is that the person doing the custom bagging for me or in my supply chain, they have a network. I'm already doing business with them. If I were to just ask them who else would have an interest in what I do, you can lean on the network you already have. Um, and so sometimes I think we get so focused on, I got to go find the net new customer in a, in a town I've never heard of before, uh, when maybe it's, you need to look closer to home to figure out your networking. The other thing that I've done super well from a networking standpoint that I, I didn't know it at the time, and, um, but it's how I, how I use social media to stay top of mind for people. And, um, there's, there's the selfishness of social media where you're posting your product or your idea or your person to to brag or to sell your story. I think people are smarter than that today. I think most people listening are like, I get it. You're doing some sort of product placement thing. I'm, I can see through that too easy. I think finding your authentic self on your social media where you're interesting and people want to get to know you. And last week, um, we I had a chance to meet Chris Hatfield and we were talking uh, you know, at this FCC forum event and got to meet him off screen a little bit and just what an impressive gentleman that he is and we're talking about if you if you want to watch the oh i guess not available to everybody to watch now so sorry for the spoiler alert um so i'll give it away he said to be an astronaut everybody is smart competent and has the skill sets but you also need to be interesting if you're going to go into space and live with with others on a space station for three months you kind of got to be an interesting fellow and so when i think about social media is is if you're trying to build your company brand, is be interesting. And so if all you are doing is talking about your features and benefits all the time, our audiences see through that. And I think people could, it's a passive way to sell or do business development, but it makes you more engaging. And I tell you, if I do a post, I'm famous for my dad humor and just kind of in regular stuff in my life. And it's pretty rare that somebody doesn't flip me a note within a day that I've made a comment because it just put me top of mind without selling. And uh, and it's an effective way to do it. And honestly, I do it from a, a pure place of, I actually get a kick out of it. It's fun. Yeah, selling, you know, selling 
is kind of a two-way, I see it as a two-way transaction. So for me, you know, I always focus first on, you know, Diana or, or the person that I want to go and, and work with. And, you know, you, you, your product line, you know, it inside out, you know, how it fits, but you can be, um, from your side out to Marty, Hey, Marty, I've got, you know, here's my pen. It's, it's gray, it's blue ink. Um, you know, it's a dollar 49, but what I found is most effective and it takes a little bit more time, but it's, it's, it's kind of playing, um, as Simon Sinek says, you know, that infinite game, that longer game is just get to know your, your, um, your customer and build that deep trust relationship because you know you 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 know you know everybody knows you you need to transact business <clears throat> but if you have their interests at heart and you're making suggestions that you know solve their problems and and just so happens that your product you know meets their needs then you've got the good long-term win-win relationship and the real pros in in ag and food are the ones that, you know, you know what these people are trying to do and you're always thinking, all right, how can I solve them? Even if it's not even your product. Uh, Cause sometimes you can go, Hey, uh, guys, guys got a piece of the puzzle here for you. And, you know, really focusing on the other person first, um, getting to know them as a person, getting to know their farm. And what I love about, you know, agriculture um, very seldom, if you go to a farmer and say, Hey, tell me the history, uh, you know, you know, how many generations, what's the story, what's, you know, what are your problems, what are your issues? And all of a sudden, you know, the, the opportunity is there for you to help them versus, you know, yeah, I've got, you know, feed or seed or crop protection products here that, you know, I'd love you to sell. Here's my, uh, here's my canola seed. Um, you know, it, it's, you need to do both that, but you know, the person's planting, X number of acres of canola, you know, once that relationship's there, chances are he'll go, well, tell me about your seed. Um, so, you know, I think that's an approach that I like to take. And for me, it's, uh, it's all about helping, you know, I, I, my career, what gets me up in the morning is helping bring innovation to farmers. You know, I know they need it because it's a tough business and every day that I can bring them an idea or a thought, or um, a relationship or knowledge, <clears throat> you know, I know that builds, builds brand, builds trust. So <clears throat> that's what I try to do in my social media is, is, you know, here's Kim McConnell, we had a good chat with him. And, you know, now he brought entertainment as well as uh, some really great tips. So some of my thoughts anyways, and what, what makes me, what makes me tick. Yeah. I, you know, I have a, well, it goes all the way back to my early days in pharmaceuticals, started in my early 20s. And corporately, a group I worked for had a really good culture about <laughs> solutions that matter. And if you think about a big pharma company, you really have a widget that you sell. In our case, these are animal antibiotics. And so you, you have a cough. Here's the needle that, that helps you with your cough. Like you're kind of a narrow scope. But the company had the wisdom to say, let's focus on our customers' issues first. And I, I think about the salesman that shows up that wants to sell your pen, Joe, and he's going to tell me all the features and benefits. Um, 
to me, that reeks of desperation. I call that the cologne of sales. Is there's a smell that comes with somebody that just, and sometimes it's real. Is they got to you got to make payroll, and I got to get a deal done. But if I look at the most successful people that I see at agribusiness, is they tend to be solution centric and interested in their customers first. So you got to be patient. And in the sales process, for me, is a thing called earning the right to advance. And it's it's how we run our own personal lives. Is each question that I ask of my my customer is progressively more, I'll say, intrusive. So the first one is, hey, how are you doing today, Joel? And Bill says, he's doing fine. And then to where are you from? And he tells me where he's from. And then pretty soon um, we start talking about his business. And then he starts to, to pull me in. And each progressive question is just me being curious without trying to sell the pen. Even though in the back of my mind, I still have an agenda here is that I have a product that I think solves a problem. But if I jump to the that my product solves your problem and you haven't come along with me, the process dies. And so I think a, a lot of people lose sight of this earning trust. It's how we run our personal lives. So why wouldn't we run our professional lives that way? And there's a gentleman named Pensero that had five tips to, to helping sell something to someone. And if you approach the sales process with his five, and honestly, I can only remember three because I think good marketing always has three. But the three that stuck with me is Anything that you have that would improve my competitive advantage, it's good. Anything you have that would lower my costs is good. But the one that I think really works is anything you have that would make my work or life easier. And I think about an innovator, I think about anybody showing up as if your product or solution makes my life easier, you have my full attention. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the cheapest, it doesn't have to be the smartest, but if you're solving a real problem for me, which you had said earlier, Diana, is what's the problem the customer has? The only way I can find out what their problem is, is if I approach the interaction with curiosity of what's keeping them up at night. And, and those are nuances, I think, that are best practices that, have been, that are timeless, regardless of COVID not being able to travel. It's, it's relationship management. Yeah, and, and Marty, you know, we've had a chance to discuss over time, just, you know, what are some of your tips uh, that you would recommend in terms of adding value to that customer relationship? So you, you know, maybe send a book, <clears throat> you send a follow-up email, um, whatever that looks like. Yeah, it, that's a good question. And I think it, the answer for that for me is it depends. And so, um, you know, a best practice that I adopted a few years ago was I think most of us that were traveling lots were avid readers. I probably read less now that I'm not in airports and airplanes, but um, listening to the conversation with somebody and then making a mental note, say, you know what, I just finished this book that they would really enjoy and flipping them that book. And not because I'm expecting something in return, but to say, I actually really heard you and this would make your life better. And that builds a deeper relationship or, um, you know, in my line of work, it's super easy to, to flip an, an email later and say, oh, this article showed up or this thing in the paper, but trying to be more aware of what would interest them as opposed to me, that I need to sell them money or I need to sell them ag expert software is, you know what, today that's not actually what they need or what they're interested in. And if you do the, the relationship management stuff right, the actual closing of the sale becomes a natural process for both of you. In most cases, and Joe, I'm sure you've seen this, is you get to where you've, you've listened to them and you're talking pretty soon, like, oh my God, Joe, you actually could help me with this. Can I buy your thing? And you haven't even had to ask for the sale. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you care, right? You know, I, I like most of the people that uh, 
that I work with and, you know, I want them to be successful. So, um, you know, anything you can do, whether it's an idea or a contact or, you know, um, just sometimes it's just listening too, right? You know, Marty, uh, um, how are you? You know, when somebody will, you know, they need a shoulder to cry on, uh, you know, maybe they're having a tough go in, in their lives or their business. So, so, you know, you try to be available, you try to be helpful and, and look at that long-term relationship. You know, it's, it's, you know, for me, um, what makes me happy is, you know, we've had some customers that, you know, we've had for 20 and 30 years and they're our friends and, you know, you've helped them grow their business and help them be successful. And we've sold them some stuff along the way too. Right. So, so those are some of the things that, you know, I think those are your values and your principles. And, um, there's a couple of books that, that, that have helped me like Stephen Covey's seven habits of uh, highly effective people. You know, it's an oldie, but it still really works and it helps you, you know, bring discipline to your life and understand why you do some of the things that you do. And so, you know, I think your, your point on, you know, finding books to improve yourself. And that's usually my biggest recommendation to young people as they enter the career is, you know, read the books, do the work, you know, build yourself because then you can become more valuable to, you know, other, um, you know, other customers uh, because you've got a great network, great skill set and lots of experience. So, you know, this piece we're talking about is I already know you, we've started the relationship. Um, the, the, I think the real challenge for all of us is um, how do I find new customers? How do I find new people? So we talked earlier about you know, leaning on the network you have, it's your bagger and they can reference to someone else. But I think about some other best practices kind of to your point, Diana, is, um, you know, the webinar thing is popular and there's some that are good and some that aren't in terms of my next comment is, if you can find your way into smaller room webinars, I'll just say a hundred people, they tend to have open chat lines and they tend to have a, a you can comment in the sidebar. If you get into the thousand rooms, they tend to scrub that because they can't manage that is ask a, ask a question that's relevant or smart. Uh, put your name and your and where you're from in the chat line. Don't, don't say that I'm Marty from FCC and I lend money and you know, here's my contact info. Like it's once again, it's about not having the desperation smell about your approach. Um, but at a conference room, you know, if you really wanna get noticed is you walk up to the microphone and ask a question. You just say, hey, I'm Marty from FCC and I'm interested, you said this and I'm interested in your thoughts. You could do the same on a webinar. You can do the same on some of these digital places. And it's just a nice way to start to be seen. Pay attention to who's in the Rolodex or who attended. You can find them later on any LinkedIn platform. Most business professionals are anchored there. And you can start the process that way because I get it. It's hard to find a new customer in a new town. They, you don't know where to look. Um, but think about, think about that as maybe another option for uh, you know, how to shake loose people. I think, you know, I do a lot of work on uh, uh, angel investing and listening to pitch competitions. I think if you've got a company that's kind of emerging, do that, turn your name in the hat and get, get yourself in one of these little competitions and start to create some profile. Uh, you can do some earned media and put out a press release and see who picks it up. But um, you don't have to spend a ton of money to do these things, but you need to be more deliberate than you used to be. I think there's so much noise out there that you gotta know where your customer sits. And I was actually at a, in an event last night pitch competition and a group um, showed up and they had an electric furnace and they were pitching to a group of Western Canadians 
who, on if you don't know East versus West, were a natural gas furnace kind of lease. And, and so as they did their pitch, their technology was brilliant. If you were from Southern Ontario or the Eastern Seaboard where you use heating oils, et cetera, and propane. Uh, but the Westerners went, well, why would I get rid of my, uh, my natural gas furnace? It's affordable, it's paid for. Um, and so kind of knowing your room and saying, you know, maybe that pitch was better served in Eastern Canada where the market fit. Or, you know, don't go to the Cattlemen's Convention to, to pitch your vegan veggie burger, right? Kind of just giving a little more thought <laughs> instead of playing a volume game, like know where your, where your market lives. And, and so those are things that don't have to cost us a lot of money to, to try to grow our business. Yeah, and Marty, that, those are great tips because I think that, um, you know, more and more that you can, um, you know, reach out to people and, you know, put your name forward. Um, I've seen a couple trade shows recently where they've actually had interactive booths. So you actually go up to the booth and then they have a pop-up chat line so you can chat with the person. And so you're seeing more of that. And then you can actually get online with that person if you really are interested in their product. So uh, I think it's the Matterport platform that has it and, and they have all different kinds of uh, interactivity. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of that. And so people can just, you know, go like they would in a trade show, just do it virtually and have those chats the same way they would. The videos are playing the same way they do at the trade shows and you just watch them and then you just chat with the people. So that's a good suggestion, Marty, because uh, I think there's a lot of virtual webinars and things going on. And um, you know, Joe mentioned one time that he was at a, a virtual conference and he went through the participants and he found an old friend um, that he hadn't talked to in years. And so he reached out and directly chatted with them on this conference line and then they got together. So I think just, you know, look at the participants, who's there, uh, you know, there might be some interesting people that you haven't connected with before um, and just reach out and see what happens. You just never know. A lot of it's confidence. A lot of it's confidence, right? You know, um, you know, I, I'm more confident than, you know, say Michael, who's younger, um, that, you know, I can help somebody. Um, but what I encourage the younger people to do is, you know, you're, you're the conduit to me. So, you know, go meet people, talk to them. And if you find a, find a, a need, um, you know, leverage up the experience of the team around you. Um, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the knowledge. Uh, but if you know where, think of the library is and you know where the right book is that you can help these people, you know, you can help them, you know, probably as much or more than I can. So, so that's where if you're a young person, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the knowledge, but, you know, build your support system around you so that, you know, you can say, hey, I don't know much about this, but I know Marty is an expert in animal health. Um, can I connect you with Marty? He might be able to help you with, you know, your your uh, herd health problems. Thank you very yeah, much. Was, no. Yeah, thinking about, um, about one other best practice is kind of intriguing. It sort of caught on a year ago and then it kind of fell off. But um, I'm not a big fan of blasting content. And I know that corporately there's two approaches. And I think I think it's fine depending on your product categories. So fill my in, inbox, uh, push into my LinkedIn. There's a place for that. For me personally, I just have never represented brands that that, that was the most effective practice. What intrigues me a lot is when somebody reaches out using, instead of an email, using video. So if 
we have the technology, all of us are doing it now, is to record myself saying, I'm Joe Dales, and I have this thing that I think is quite interesting. And if I could have two minutes of your time, um, and here's here's my pitch. Because it's different. It's not an email. Good I idea. get them That's all a good the time. Idea. <laughs> but I get them from New York. I, when I was a kid, my mom used to get a fax, and the fax would come, and it was spamming through the fax. And then and then we've kind of matured, and then we spam through email. And, and I work for companies that do it. And so there's a place. But if you're really trying to stand out from the crowd, I mean, you just record a video and humanize the whole experience. So I'm more likely to buy from people that I like, people I know. And so if Joe sent me a video, I have to watch it. Mm-hmm. And and so there's you don't have to spend a lot of money to find ways to, to, to be seen. And that, I think, is the point of our conversation. Yeah, I think being creative and innovative, uh, you know, you can't go wrong, right? You know, it's uh, it's never been easier with the number of apps and, the other thing that, uh, to your point, is, you know, I try to spend time fish where the fish are, right? You know, so um, I'm not a TikTok person. I'm a Twitter person because I know the farmer and agribusinesses are on, are on Twitter. And if I want agribusiness, they're, they're usually on things like LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, I don't spend much time on Instagram. I know there's a lot of young farmers there, but not the older ones. So... So I think it's just, you know, finding your audience and, and, you know, focusing because you can get distracted on, you know, so many different things. Um, and you do need to, you know, have a bit of a laser focus on, uh, on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, we, you know, our media team at FCC had a great metaphor around fishing with a fishing line with bait, that bait catches a certain type of fish or fishing with a net. And there's a place for both. And so I think if I can hear anything is, is just thinking about is your, is your product the net? Is that what you need to do and, and cast this massive net and hope you get some pings? Or do you need to be delivered and delivered and go into rooms where your bait is very targeted to the fish you're trying to catch in? Um, there's a place for both. I think people get in trouble is not, not knowing which, which fish they're trying to catch. Um. One other topic, and it's I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. Um, I have a really good friend. He's a farmer. He's a decent sized operation. And, uh, you know, I'll ask him, hey, are you on LinkedIn or are you using Twitter? Um, do you have a website for your farm? And he's like, no, no, don't don't want that. You know, he and I, I kind of push back on him. I said, all right, you know, you you're right now you're selling commodities. Um, you know, that's fine, but there will be a day when you want to value add, when you want to add services. And I said, it's hard to go from zero to, you know, being a world-class digital marketing organization without, you know, experimenting along the way. So I keep pushing him to, you know, pop up a little, even if it's just a one page, you know, cheap website that says, you know, Joe's farm. um, And, you know, start that whole process going forward, because I do think marketing is important. You're eventually going to need to value add to your business. Um, You know, the top farmers, a lot of them, you know, do have websites now and, and, you know, they do, you know, add value with, with maybe it's selling seed or grain or, or um, have direct, uh, direct to home, direct to farm, uh sales so 
you know, I, I do encourage farmers to experiment and try things. You can always take them down if, if all you're getting is spam. But uh, I think it's important that they all do a little bit more, you know, marketing versus just accepting, you know, dropping the grain down the pit at the at the elevator and accepting the price that's there. I'm a value added intellectual property guy. And so, you know, I think it's important that they spend time building brand around their own farming operation. I don't know. I'd like your thought on that, Marty. Yeah. I, you know, where my brain ran to is some of the most successful farmers spend some time on developing a, a mission and a vision. And I wonder in agriculture, you know, if you're, you know, I'm a cows and canola guy from out West and I think our mission and vision was just to pay the bills, to get through another season, to plant crop. And, but ironically, we grew the balance sheet of our farm through the processors of byproduct. But as I, as I do the FCC knowledge podcast and meet some people in transition planning, is it becomes really clear that you're, if you have an idea where you're going as a farm and said, you know what, my, I have an ambition to get to 20,000 acres and I need to acquire land. I think a website's pretty important as part as that's your vision then you need to have a, some sort of brand presence in your community so that people know who they're supporting or not. And that, and, and so to me, I would come back to, if you're not clear on that, spend some time at the family table and work through what's our vision and mission here because the best outcome is all of the family starts to actually see the same outcome. Is if we wanna be a community leader or we wanna be a, a differentiated product on our farm, if those are your things, you start to build your, social media plan around it. You can build your website plan around that. And uh, you don't have to, like, it's not building rocket ships here. It's just the simplest things, but the clarity will absolutely help your business. Good point. Yeah. And that's where I think a mentor, you know, could come in handy to kind of guide you a little bit because, you know, new entrepreneurs, they're, you know, there's so many things to think about in terms of building a good business plan, you know, with your objectives, your goals, your mission, all your marketing, product packaging, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so just having a mentor reaching out and, or even having an advisory board of a few people, um, mm -hmm. you know, and being able to reach out with different questions at different times for, for those people that need the extra experience, um, you know, or, or knowledge. I think there's lots of people in the ecosystem that would mentor. So um, yeah, good points on that, both of you guys, yeah. You know, when I was um, when I was CEO of Agribition, um, I realized I had this board and I was accountable to the board. I'm like, well, why wouldn't I do that in my personal life? Because a good board brings diversity of thought. You you know, a competency-based board has got the lawyer, the accountant, the marketer, the, uh, the business development person, et cetera. Why wouldn't you do that in your personal life? And so I employed that. And I tell you, the toughest things are the day I'm not sure if I'm being, if I'm on the right track or was that idea had just crazy. I take it to my, my, I'll say informal board of directors. It's a group of peers, but these people don't think like me. A good board should be diverse in thought. And so I think kind of, Diana, you know, there's peer groups, people use that as sounding boards, but you could do that more formal with three or four people from your extended circle and actually really, I guess, take yourself to the next level to kind of what, what got you here won't get you there mentality is if you're looking to raise your game and be more successful, it's going to take other people helping you get there. Thanks for uh, sharing, uh, Marty, Diana, and Joe. Uh, some uh, great conversations. Um, I just wanted to uh, thank uh, all our listeners for checking out the Ready, Set, Grow podcast. And uh, just thank you again, Marty, for joining us.